And as always, this session will include uh, about half hour of meditation together and then some Dharma reflections and time for questions. So let's, let's find our posture. Tuning into the body and the heart and mind as you do this. And feeling what would be the appropriate, the most supportive posture for you. And then settling into that posture. As we rest awareness into the body. Inviting that centeredness in the contact of the body with that which supports the body. And feeling that support spreading through the body, from the seed, from the ground, from that contact, support spreading up the body, down the body, through the body. The support rising up the back of the body and the body lengthening, opening. The support also spreading down through the body and out through the body. whole space of the body upright and easeful. Awareness spreading, softening and opening through the whole body space. And if possible, having a sense of the whole body, whole body here. the awareness open and wide including the whole body softening through the whole body
and within the space of awareness, within the body space, can include the movement, the flow of the breathing. Passing through the space of awareness, the field of awareness in the body. For this practice, we're going to keep awareness as large as we can through the whole body. Keep playing with that balance of the uprightness of the body and the softening and opening of awareness in the body. And we're going to include within this wide body awareness the movement, the flow of the breathing. Some of us, it can be helpful to feel the breath filling up the space of the body, opening and softening the space of the body. Just in case the breath doesn't feel like a accessible or helpful object to work with, you can tune into sound instead. Tune into the movement of sound through the field of awareness in the body. Keeping awareness wide and open. Awareness sensitive and receptive. Gentle contact with the flow and movement of the breathing or of sound through the space of awareness. Let's explore that.
gently opening to notice what is arising in experience right now. The mind is distracted by anything, acknowledging that, not judging but rejoicing in this moment of presence. And then coming back to the body, to the sensitive, open space of awareness in the body, to the flow and the movement of the breathing through the field of awareness, through the field of the body. Inviting yourself also to respond to your experience through the breathing, with the breathing, to attend. So if there's a sense of restlessness or agitation in the mind or the body, What happens if we bring attention more fully to the grounding in the contact areas and the sensations of contact? What happens if we breathe in a way that opens up the space and that soothes and calms the body? A gentle question without any pushiness. How can I breathe right now? How can I invite the breath to unfold in a way that is supportive? If there's tiredness, dullness, can I invite the breath to energize? Can I breathe in a way that energizes? Let's play with that and see what's possible.
now in this moment awareness present in the body softening and opening the space of awareness through the whole body the breath flowing through the body expanding and opening awareness through the whole body Tuning in to the nourishing, soothing aspects of the breathing. Letting the breath fill the whole body, open and soften the whole body. Emphasizing what is needed, what is helpful, what is supportive right now. More energizing, enlivening with the breathing. More calming, soothing, expanding with the breathing. Attending moment by moment to experience with the breath in the body
in a moment when the bell rings, taking your time, not rushing, letting the ringing of the bell resonate within you. And if you wish, taking a moment to dedicate any nourishment that has come through the practice to the well-being of all. May our practice be a nourishment, be a support for the well-being of all beings in all directions. So yeah, take, take your time, no, uh, no need to necessarily change your posture or open your eyes if you wish to continue as you are. like to um, offer some Dharma reflections flowing on from the practice that we just did. Uh, Before that, just uh, a couple of minutes about Dharma practice, Uh, uh, movement of of Dharma, of giving, that is at the heart of the teachings, at the heart of the practice, uh, and really supports all of us to be here. So these sessions, as as you know, uh, are offered freely, no fixed price, no expectation for a particular amount. Um, and yet, of course, both Gaia House and the teachers do give our resources to this. So if you're able to, if you wish to support Gaia House or to support me for this session, just put into the chat the link to the Guy House support page um, and that can happen through there. All the information on how to offer Dana is there. So I wanted today to uh, explore a little bit, quite a, a big theme uh, in practice. Yeah, this question of uh, doing and not doing yeah, in meditation. And maybe I'll just check. I, I, I did something, so I'm assuming that you can hear me again. Yes, okay. Yeah, I have to do something for the bell to, to be heard. And hopefully that worked, but it means that then the sound of my voice goes down in volume. So that's what, that's what happened there. So doing and not doing, 
yeah, in practice. And of course, this also, you know, talking about meditation practice, but actually, uh, I don't know if there's anything that's relevant to meditation practice that isn't relevant to our lives. Yeah, I'm, I'm yet to, uh, to kind of uh, find something. Um, and it's, it's a really interesting uh, subject, and we'll see how much I can, what I can do in half an hour of speaking about it. Um, it's quite cool, yeah, it's quite essential to our practice. And um, there's a lot of, there's quite a debate about this, yeah, and a lot of views around, you know, and, and sometimes um, a real emphasis on meditation as a non-doing, yeah, as stopping the doing. Sometimes it's, this is the doing and not doing is, is spoken of as doing and, and being, yeah, the being and the doing. And I think part of the reason why this is such an alive debate, particularly in our times, um, is because uh, of our tendencies, yeah, uh, also in our culture, yeah, to really emphasize the, um, that doing, that getting of things, yeah, which we can bring that attitude into, into practice. Um, and then uh, what has kind of come of that is a great emphasis on the being, yeah, on the not doing. Uh, and, and that's maybe a little bit out of balance uh, nowadays. Yeah. So I want to kind of go into this. And, and just to say, um, it's, there's a lot of subtlety in this. Yeah? So kind of please listen uh, in a way that acknowledges subtlety, yeah? uh, limitation of words and concepts. Um, as we as we practice, and today I want to I want to speak about it from a particular angle, and so looking at doing in practice, yeah, um, from the angle of an understanding of karma, actually, yeah, because some of this misunderstanding around doing and being, doing and not doing. Um, and our practice is actually rooted in a misunderstanding of the Buddha's teachings on karma. And so um, this, this basic misunderstanding is, is actually of attributing to the Buddha uh, not his teachings about karma, but actually teachings of other spiritual traditions that were there at, at, the, at the time that he was there and that still are here in our, in our world. Yeah. And particularly um, the, the kind of um, attitude yeah, or um, view that our present situation, yeah, pleasant circumstances, yeah, are um, determined, yeah, this is determined by past actions. Yeah? So what is happening now, what is unfolding here, is determined by what happened in the past. And so this is, you know, this is a common understanding of, of, of karma in, in many spiritual traditions. Um, it's not the Buddha's yeah, view on karma. And I'll say a little bit more what, what his view was. His view is, is much more complex uh, than that. And so 
you know, the Buddha actually, there are some suttas in which uh, he argues, yeah, against this understanding, yeah, of, or against this view, yeah, the view that uh, what is unfolding here, if there's pain, if there's dukkha, if there's ill being in this moment, yeah, it is um, determined, yeah, it's, it's the seeds that have come into fruit from something that we did in the past. Yeah. And we can see perhaps that what this view uh, leads to as an action we can take, yeah, as a way of attending to that uh, pain, suffering, yeah, ill-being, disease. Um, the view then is, what can we do about that? If it's in the past, there's nothing we can do in the present, yeah, except purify it. How do we purify it? Through not doing yeah, through just witnessing, yeah, staying present with it um, and not uh, feeding it in any way. Yeah. And I'll come back to this, hopefully, I'll remember yeah, as a view on practice, but hopefully this kind of, we can see the connection. Yeah. If, yeah, if my view on karma is that it's always from the past into the future, yeah, that's its momentum. Yeah. Then all I can do in the present yeah, is just be. Yeah. And stop, at purify past karma through not feeding it and stop unhelpful karma uh, being generated into, into the future. And yet the Buddha... Um, kind of made a really clear point you know, in regard to this view. He said, you know, if all, whatever is going on here is rooted in past karma, that would mean we have no impact right here and now. Yeah. And so no present action could impact yeah, our, our experience in the moment. And yet his teaching yeah, was this is not true. Yeah. The present experience, whether it's of pleasure or of pain, is a combined result of both past actions and present actions. Yeah. Really important, yeah. And and quite radical. Yeah, at his time. Yeah, going against the stream of the common um, beliefs and views. So I'm gonna say it again. Whatever the present experience is, whether it's of pleasure or of pain. Yeah, it's a coming together, it's a fabrication, it's a construction made up, impacted both from the past yeah. and from the present. Yeah. So, um, you know, I'll, I'll just say my understanding of karma here when we say past actions yeah. impact our present, that's because they're habits. Yeah, and we can really understand it in that way. What we've done, what we've repeated, yeah. is our habit. And so it will continue to impact. Yeah. Whatever we repeat, whatever we keep doing, will continue to impact our present experience. Yeah. Um, past things that we regret, yeah. or things that support us, that we're grateful for, that we appreciate. Yeah? They shape our current experience. They shape our minds and our hearts. So a combined result of the past and the present. Yeah. What, I've, what I've been 
am cultivating over time as the habits of my mind, what kind of actions I have given my energy and resources to, and also how I meet that in the present. Really important. You have radical teaching of the Buddha. Yeah, not just the past, but also the present. How I meet it in the present. And this is uh, so crucial to the Buddha's teachings because his teaching of the path is very active. Yeah. It's not passive. Yeah. The whole path of practice is about engaging with our experience. Right? It's about cultivating the wholesome and the beneficial. It's about attending to what happens in our lives. Yeah. Some of it, not, nothing to do with us. Yeah. Pandemic. Not, none of us created it, right? <laughs> it happened. Yeah. It's happening. Weather is happening. And yet our relationship to it yeah. is something that uh, we have agency around. That we have both been cultivating, feeding, um, kind of constructing habits of meeting life in certain ways and also in the moment, right here, right here in this moment, we have agency. And so if we think of the Buddha's teachings, you know, what the pivotal axis is the ending of suffering. Yeah. And we think, you know, how do we end suffering yeah, for ourselves and others? Yeah. It means some engagement with our experience. Yeah. Otherwise, you know, we would just be sitting here waiting yeah, for all the past karma yeah, of our actions to somehow be purified with no new karma being generated. Yeah. And this is, the Buddha actually said this, probably in the same slightly um, amused tone that I'm saying it right now, you know. That understanding of we just need to sit back and let it purify yeah. without any impact. And as human beings, we cannot not have an impact. Yeah. It's impossible just by breathing, just by thinking, just by moving. Yeah. Just by taking care of the body, we have an impact on our environment. And so this understanding, we have an impact that shapes experience for ourselves and for others. So important. So, you know, this this understanding is what makes practice possible. How do we put, or how do we um, work towards an ending, an ending to dukkha, an ending to suffering, an ending to ill-being, an ending to pain and disease. Mm. And so we're saying, or I'm saying, the Buddha's saying we don't just endure. Yeah, that's one understanding, that's one view. Not not the view of, of Buddha Dharma. We don't just endure. Yeah. Of course, many times, you know, we have to allow and accept. Yeah. We have to allow and accept. That's part of our process. And that's a big thing. If you've ever tried to allow and accept something that's painful and difficult, that's not passive. Yeah. It takes quite a lot of guts. Yeah. It takes quite a lot of courage. It takes quite a lot of presence. Yeah. 
takes quite a lot of skill to do. Yeah, but we don't just, you know, that's just part, that's just one way of um, engaging and relating to our experience. So meditation works, yeah? Yeah, it works through practice works, Dhamma practice works in this inquiry into how am I relating to what is happening? And how can I attend to what is happening skillfully and cultivate what is skillful and wholesome? Yeah. So we can see, we learn, we become more sensitive, more and more sensitive to the habits, the habitual ways in which we cling, yeah, we grasp, we hold on to, yeah, which includes pushing away the causes of pain, yeah, the causes of distress, the causes of dukkha, the causes of ill-being, yeah, our habits, yeah, of trying to um, free ourselves from them actually are, are holding on to them, yeah, this push and pull, this demand on experience. And the Buddha was really clear, dukkha is not a given, it's not inevitable, Present suffering can be attended to. Yeah? It can be attended to through changing our understanding and our attitude towards the cause of suffering in this moment. Yeah? So in another way we can see, how am I responding? Is the reactivity demand pushing away, pulling towards? Yeah? And can I bring in a different way of being? So the invitation is um, for our practice to be sensitive, yeah, to be alert, to be attentive and engaged. Yeah. Not just sitting there. Yeah. We're sitting there, which is a lot, but we're not just sitting there. We're cultivating something as we're sitting there. We're cultivating non-reactivity. We're cultivating non-demand. We're cultivating non-clinging yeah. and one of the ways that the Buddha talked about his teachings freedom through non-clinging yeah. and this really relates to um, you know the meaning the word that has been translated into English as meditation bhavana yeah actually means cultivation it's a verb it's something we do <laughs> Interesting, isn't it? Yeah. It's not just passive. It's an act of engagement um, with our experience. And so I wanna, I wanna kind of um, touch on on one of the um, most important suttas uh, in the meditation tradition as it's come to us in relation to this. This is the. Anapanasati Sutta, usually translated as uh, the Sutta on Mindfulness of Breathing. Yeah. And so, I, I'm, you know, I, I'm, I love this Sutta. This is one of my favorite suttas. And I love it because of this, you know, because it amuses me, you know, that often um, the way it's, mis it's understood is a misunderstanding. Yeah. Yeah. And it's often quoted, you know, just be mindful of. 
Yeah. Just be mindful of. As I said, this is important. It's important to have the capacity to be mindful of without getting entangled. But it's not the entirety of our path. It's not the entirety um, of what we're doing. Yeah. Of the path to freedom. So I've got the whole sutta here. Um, I'm, I'm going to read it and I'm going to kind of um, uh, comment on some of it, not all of it. Like We're not going to be able to go into it with full depth, but there's just a few things that I want to pull out that I think are, are really interesting. Um, and if you want to look for it later, it's MN118. I'll put it in the chat. Um, that's the name of it. So if you find it later, you'll notice that I'm making some gender changes. Um, but uh, I, I invite you to do the same. Okay, the, the translations are always in the masculine. And obviously, as we can see here, we're not all men. Um, so, how is mindfulness of in and out breathing developed and pursued? so as to be of great fruit, of great benefit. Yeah? So how to develop mindfulness of breathing in a way um, that it can be uh, pursued yeah, as a great fruit and to bring great benefit. There is the case where a person, having gone to the wilderness, to the shade of a tree or to an empty building, this medit Buddha's meditation instruction, <laughs> we just go somewhere in our house, right? But in those days, a bit crowded, had to go into the wilderness. So the person sits down folding their legs crosswise or in a chair, holding their body erect and establishing mindfulness to the full. Mindful they breathe in, mindful they breathe out. Breathing in long they discern, I'm breathing in long. Or breathe it out, breathing out long they discern, I'm breathing out long. Breathing in short, they discern, I am breathing in short. Or breathing out short, they discern, I am breathing out short. So this is the most common part of the sutta that's quoted. Yeah. And we can see here, it sounds like all we're doing is we're noticing, we're discerning. Is the breath long? Is the breath short? What kind of breath is it? Yeah, mindful of the breath, but it continues. They train themselves, this person. I will breathe in sensitive to the entire body. They train themselves. I will breathe out sensitive to the entire body. They train themselves. I will breathe in calming bodily fabrication. They train themselves. I will breathe out calming bodily fabrication. So maybe you recognize the meditation we just did. Yeah. That's exactly what we were doing. Yeah. We became sensitive to the entire body yeah, as much as we could. That was one of our anchors in the practice. Yeah, whole body awareness, sensitive, noticing what is going on. And then when we noticed experience, we attended to it through the breathing. Yeah. 
calming bodily fabrication. Fabrication means construction, happening. <laughs> so what is happening in the body? We train ourselves to breathe out and breathe in, calming that bodily fabrication. And so we can already see the encouragement for responsiveness. We're not just sitting there. Yeah. It can be part of our practice. An important part is that mindfulness of what is present. Yeah. Just noticing what is present. How is the breath right now? And then the invitation for sensitivity. And from that sensitivity, the responsiveness, the calming of the bodily fabrication. If there's too much energy, I calm it. If there's too little energy, I invigorate it. Yeah. So we kind of work with the breath. We're using the breath and engaging, responding to experience. And the sutta continues, yeah, continues and describes the path. Yeah. So here's the practitioner. They continue. They're calming bodily fabrication and then they train themselves. I will breathe in sensitive to rapture. They train themselves, I will breathe out, sensitive to rapture. They train themselves, I will breathe in, sensitive to pleasure. They train themselves, I will breathe out, sensitive to pleasure. They train themselves, I will breathe in, sensitive to mental fabrication. And they train themselves, I will breathe in, calming mental fabrication. Yeah. So, you know, breathing sensitive to mental fabrication, calming mental fabrication. Um, there's a lot here. Yeah, this is kind of the whole path that is being, um, that is unfolding here for us. Um, and so, yeah, really a lot there in what the Buddha is describing. So, so we've calmed the bodily fabrication and then we, when the body is more calm, we can start uh, kind of um, like the, the sensitivity becomes more subtle and we can turn it, turn our sensitivity to things like rapture and pleasure, yeah, which arise in meditation. This is big news for most of us, you know, there's knee pain and restlessness, but there's also rapture and pleasure, yeah, just in being aware, yeah, it's just more subtle, yeah, it's more delicate than what we're used to notice, yeah, so so much of practice is kind of this sensitivity that is emphasized in the sutta, yeah, the sensitivity of being able to notice more, more aspect, more, uh, more aspects, more elements um, of our, um, of our practice there. I just need to go to my notes for a minute because I remember there was something that I wanted to say and I can't remember what it was at this point. Yes, so when we are sensitive to rapture, when we're sensitive to um, pleasure, yeah. um, that sensitivity yeah, is enhanced uh, more and more. Yeah. And then we can attend to mental fabrication, to the constructs of the mind, yeah, which are much more tricky for us usually. Yeah? We get hooked into them, we get stuck into them a lot more. And so we can become sensitive 
to these constructs and we can also breathe in calming them yeah just like we did with the body we can do that with the mind and the sutta continues yeah the practitioners um, trains themselves to breathe in and out sensitive to the mind they train themselves to breathe in and out gladdening the mind i love that phrase yeah gladdening the mind so not only have we calmed the mind yeah calmed the mental fabrications we can now begin to kind of you know the mind is malleable it's like a piece of dough that we can shape into our favorite biscuit shape yeah gladdening yeah gladdening the mind um they train themselves to breathe in and out unifying and harmonizing the mind unifying and harmonizing the mind and maybe if you've read a lot of suttas you're beginning to recognize the sequence here um, because this is a sequence that is repeated quite a lot in the development um, kind of the the markers and the development of the path uh, to freedom yeah so there's the gladdening there's the unifying and the harmonizing and then there's release Uh, and then with that mind that is released we can uh, deepen insight even more. Yeah. So here the Buddha is saying, ah, let's use the breath to see inconstancy, to see anicca. Yeah. Let's use the breath um, to focus on dispassion, yeah? uh, opposite of clinging, yeah? letting go. Yeah. Let's use the breath um, to focus on uh, how things stop appearing yeah when we stop relating to them through clinging through push and pull and uh, we train ourselves to breathe focusing on relinquishing which is another word for freedom yeah so i'm saying all of this quite quickly because obviously you know it's quick i'm joking (laughs) obviously it's a lot yeah but we can see this whole path that right here in this sutta and the buddha loves doing this yeah he just takes the sutta and he runs us through this whole process yeah that potentially maybe takes lifetimes through the practice just through mindfulness of the breathing yeah and we can see yes all the way to relinquishing all the way to nibbana all the way to the complete letting go yeah the complete freedom that's some journey And we're constantly in that journey engaged with our experience, attentive to our experience through the breath. Gladdening the mind, unifying the mind, sensitive to the mind. And then picking up particular ways of attending to experience that will enhance insight, that will deepen insight. And at the end of the sutta, there's the same line as at the beginning. This is how mindfulness of breathing in and out is developed and pursued so as to be of great fruit and of great benefit and so you know maybe one of the most beautiful things about this yeah is that we use something like the breath yeah we're using the breath it's such an ordinary thing right most of the time we don't think about it at all yeah at all it's such an ordinary thing and we use the breath to take us all the way to 
kind of develop more and more sensitivity, more and more capacity yeah, to attend to experience, to calm the body, to calm the mind, more and more capacity to um, deepen wisdom and understanding through ways of looking, yeah. to see impermanence, yeah. to see inconstancy. Mm. to see how our experience is shaped mm. and to let go and this is true yeah i love it that it's the breath and it's so ordinary because it means we can do the same thing yeah with anything in our lives mm. with anything in our lives we can cultivate the capacity for sensitivity for receptivity for listening we can cultivate the capacity for attending to experience and engaging with experience in ways that are wholesome. And we can cultivate a body, heart and, and mind that's in the service of well-being. Yeah. It's in the service of well-being, of freedom um, for all, yeah, including ourselves. So we can do it with the breath, we can do it with the body, um, we can do it, yeah. period. We can do it through bringing that interest, that kindness, and that remembering of uh, that spectrum. Maybe we'll finish by coming back to that doing and not doing. <laughs> Is it this or that? Yeah? Doing or being. Is it this or that? And we don't need to actually choose. Yeah? We don't need to choose just one. Yeah, the path is about appropriateness. What's helpful right now? What's helpful right now? Resting, witnessing, allowing, accepting. Yeah, not adding anything more to the mix. Is that a skillful response right now? Yes, a lot of the time it is. Engaging, playing, exploring, inquiring. Being clear, as we've done here from the beginning of the session, what's my intention? What serves it? What serves it? So maybe I'll stop here. With that kind of uh, encouragement yeah, to explore. And, and it does feel like a, a talk that's kind of like just a synopsis of, of something much greater. Uh, which is the whole of the path, yeah, the whole of the path in that one sutta uh, on the breath. And um, as always, yeah, really welcome. If there's any questions, comments, reflections, um, clarifications needed, um, you're really welcome either to put in the chat or to unmute yourself and, and, uh, and ask or say. Yeah, absolutely. So thank you so much for sharing that. And I'm so glad to hear that it's only been a year um, because some people, you know, uh, struggle with this for much, much longer. I I'm not at all belittling you, but it's a great relief for me to, you know, when you're saying, because those two misunderstandings um, that are really common that you, you're, you're expressing, you know, one is um, 
that's that misunderstanding of what karma uh, means or, or what the Buddha's view on it was. Um, and then connected to that is the sense that any pleasure in meditation um, is wrong. Yeah, and I often kind of say, you know, we need to see, you know, it, it relates to also um, what we've received is shaped by the people who have very kindly and generously practiced and kept the Dharma going. Um, but that has primarily been a male uh, monastic tradition. And it came with, with a great emphasis on renunciation. Um, and so, uh, you know, and we can see in this sutta, as well as in many places in, in the Pali Canon, the Buddha emphasized jhanas as uh, this is what he's talking about here, you know, gladdening the mind, rapture, pleasure, um, unifying the mind. This is jhanas. They're a great support. Not everyone has to go that route, but they're a great support for our practice. And not all pleasure is, um, is something to be eradicated um, or like, you know, as you were describing very beautifully, if it's pleasurable, it's wrong and I shouldn't go there. Um, but actually, no, here's something that we can explore, we can see. Is it, how, how do I include it? What does it lead to? Um, and ultimately, and if you're listening to Rob's talks um, from the jhana retreat, you've heard this probably, um, seeing the jhanas as perception attainments, yeah, putting them in the context of something. Jhana, for those who don't know, is, is a, um, absorb, absorptions, yeah, depth of meditative, meditative depth. Um, and so seeing them in that context leading to insight. And so therefore we can see what is it that happens in a jhana experience. What happens in a jhana experience is clinging is greatly reduced. Yeah. You know, that is what is happening. That is why it's helpful. And we can, uh, we can take that further and we can say, okay, how does that, what does that mean for us? What does that mean for our understanding? And so they are great supports for us on the path. Um, and so I'm very, very happy to hear that you found that way. And yeah, the synchronicity of you doing this practice and then uh, this coming um, at, at the right time. And uh, yeah, beautiful. Thank you for that. Yeah. Yeah, I see Alison um, mentioning here the, the four foundations of mindfulness. Yeah, the two kind of most important suttas. These two are the most important suttas in the insight tradition. It's also really important to... to um, to emphasize that, you know, again, there's this whole body of teachings and then people like us have chosen to emphasize certain ones over, over time. And since they've been emphasized over time, a culture has been created. Um, and yeah, very much related to uh, the four foundations of mindfulness. And, um, and the Buddha actually, I can't remember if it's in, the, in this sutta, or in a different sutta where he actually goes through and he shows how through the Anapanasati practice um, you can uh, work with all the foundations. Yeah. Thank you. So let's see if there's anything else from anyone. Everything is welcome. Hi, Lisa.
You're welcome. Thank you. And that sounds like a really good place to be, is just to say, okay, the mind, my mind has changed. Uh, I'm not exactly sure what has changed or how, but that interest and willingness to just be there and, and stay with that and continue to, to explore and to question. Yeah, brilliant. And I think Grace was also ready to say something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we can hear you. Mm. Thanks, Grace. And yeah, just to highlight that, yeah, this this misunderstanding that you mentioned, you know, of seeing that if something is, is difficult in our lives, then um, either that is you know, past karma being burnt off um, and, you know, th that exists within Buddhism, definitely, yeah, but that's not the, the, that's not the entirety of what the Buddha taught at all about karma. Also to say karma is an incredibly um, complex subject and I've only touched on, on, on a little bit of it. Um, the Buddha actually, you know, himself said is so complicated, it's actually impossible for us to understand fully until we're enlightened. Um, but I think that also, you know, it, it's an encouragement not to buy into these very simplistic views, you know, of like, oh, and, and like, like you were sharing, then it's, it, it feeds into our own cultural um, heritage of, of guilt um, of kind of carrying it around, which is exactly the opposite of what we want to be doing um, on any level. Um, and, that, and, and, and actually, we, we then lose contact with what is possible. So, yeah, a lot, a lot there. Um, a lot there to explore. Yeah. Yeah, and maybe the most important thing that you're also pointing to and the Buddha was pointing is, is karma is a dynamic that's constantly happening. <laughs> and so that, that emphasis on the cultivation of the wholesome and the letting go of what isn't wholesome, you know, in, in, in every moment that we can be aware and tune into that is, is really significant. And, and with, with the real importance of not using that as a way of measuring um, ourselves, judging ourselves, um, but actually as, a, as an invitation uh, to possibility. comments in the in the chat um yeah and and i think just to say that that this because seeing karma in a certain way is a habit and and as we've heard here it will it's it feeds in to to cultural and personal conditioning it will creep back in in all kinds of ways so it's something to keep 
uh, reminding ourselves, yeah, this is complex uh, and it's deep. Uh, and, and the important thing is to see, yeah, the, the, you know, another way that we could approach all of this is through dependent origination, you know, which is again the heart of the Buddha's teaching of like, ah, things are arising dependent on other things. Yeah? So the habits of the mind are arising dependent on the present moment and dependent on how we attend to the present moment. Um, and we've heard this from some of you. Uh, so there's always something we can do. There's always ways that we can attend to experience that uh, support more freedom. So we have time for one last comment or question, if there are any. <laughs> nice, yeah. Keeps, yeah, it's, it's again the sense of, ah, there's something here to, uh, you know, just kind of be like, ah, yeah. <laughs> Lost in possibility. Oh, what a wonderful place to be lost in. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, wonderful. So thank you everyone for your listening, your practice, your um, questions. And uh, yeah, always a great pleasure to be... Yes. Yeah. No, that goes to Guy House. You need to make the... Thank you for asking. So I, I just put in one link to make it easier, but you need to make two dana, uh, two donations separately. And, and the one for the... Tea, the there is, it does say there on the page, there's um, dana to Guy House and dana to the teachers, and then you need to put my name in, um, in the notes there or something so that it goes to me. Yes, the regular donations are to Gaia House. Yes. Yeah. You're very welcome. So thank you everyone and uh, enjoy the rest of the day, the evening, the night, depending on where you are. And go well. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.